We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 627 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Monday, August 7th, 2023, and we are coming off a weekend in which we had both the Nationals and the Orioles authoring three-game sweeps. The Nats, a three-game sweep at the Cincinnati Reds for the Nats' first sweep of a road series of at least three games since August 2019, the O's A three-game sweep of the New York Mets at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. The Nats now have won 11 of their last 16 games and are just a game and a half behind the Mets for fourth in the National League East. What a debacle the Mets have become. Uh, The O's now are a season-best 28 games above 500 and have the best record in the American League. In-depth. Breakdowns of the Oso glorious weekend sweeps for the Nats and the O's coming up later in the show. Hello and welcome to this Monday installment of the Al Galdi podcast and welcome to a game week for the Commanders. Yes, it is a preseason game week, but it is a game week. The Commanders preseason opener is this Friday night. Commanders at the Cleveland Browns Friday night at 7.30. Hey, should we talk about the revenge factor? (laughs) Should we talk about our team in this preseason opener trying to avenge that humiliating postseason contention ending 24-10 loss to the Browns at FedEx Field this past New Year's Day. Someone should ask head coach Ron Rivera at one of his press conferences this week, hey, Ron, how big is the revenge factor this Friday night? I've always thought that that would be a funny bit. Someone at these pressers asking ridiculous, but maybe possibly plausible questions, like questions that are ridiculous, but maybe sort of flirt with maybe not being so ridiculous, if that makes sense. That would be my question this week. Hey, Ron, how big is the revenge factor this Friday night? If you guys win this game, does that exact some revenge for what happened (laughs) against the Browns this past New Year's Day? Well, speaking of Ron, uh, I next segment have a lot to discuss with you off what Ron had to say at his post-training camp practice press conferences on Friday morning and Sunday morning. No practice on Saturday, but we on Friday morning had a very eventful practice that featured the defense owning 
the offense, okay? The defense on Friday morning wrecked the offense. Uh, and also on Friday morning was big-time chippiness between the defense and the offense. Uh, then we, on Sunday morning, had a practice at which the offense was better. We also, over these two days, had some injuries that occurred and or were revealed. Uh, and we had comments from Ron on how he feels about how the offense is doing. This has become a major topic. Like, where exactly are we with this offense? Uh, also, comments from Ron on the chippiness that was on display on Friday morning, and comments from Ron on what he is thinking regarding playing key players at the Browns this Friday night. Some revealing comments from our guy Don Ron. I'll take you through all of them and react to and discuss them next segment. Also on the show, uh, I have some thoughts on the big Capitals news from Friday morning. A seven-year, $45.5 million contract extension for winger Tom Wilson. Some Caps talk is coming up. Hey, I mentioned that Commander's hideous loss to the Browns last season, a game that, of course, proved to be the last stand of Carson Wentz as Commander's quarterback. The last stand of Commander Carson. Uh, Did you see what was posted on the Instagram account of Carson Wentz? A photo of him throwing a football while wearing a Commander's Practice jersey, Indianapolis Colts shorts, and a Philadelphia Eagles helmet. In other words, attire from all three of his former NFL teams, each of which had a not-so-good ending with Carson. Although, Carson, with our team, as far as we can tell, uh, was all class. He just uh, did not play well. But man, that is an odd picture. If you have seen it, you know of what I speak. Carson wearing a commander's practice jersey, <laughs> Colts shorts, and an Eagles helmet. I don't know if he's trying to be funny or motivational or philosophical or what, but uh, <laughs> that is a bizarre look, man. Uh, hey, ratings and reviews help out the podcast a lot. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long. can be just a sentence or two. But the ratings and the reviews help us out a lot. So thank you for doing them. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Scott in Fairfax, Virginia on the issue of the name of our football team. Uh, the name was one of the many topics that we covered with Commander's Insider Michael Phillips on Friday's show, episode 626. Right, Scott? I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I have not missed an episode. You're the best in the biz. Uh, thank you, Scott. Continue, Scott. I've been thinking about the name change odds from betonline.ag back on July 24th. If you recall, the name Spartans was the favorite at 6-1 to one despite that being an out-of-the-blue name that we had not heard before, two, dot, two, dot, two, two. Uh, I did not hear much questioning as to why in the world that would be the favorite in the clubhouse. Yes, Magic Johnson is a Michigan State grad, but I think that there's a bigger reason why this name is being discussed. What if the Josh Harris group is considering Spartans because it would give the team an opportunity to have a spear on the helmet? bringing back the look of the Redskins without the controversial, to some, Native American imagery. 
I'm thinking about the 70th anniversary throwbacks that the team wore in 2002, my personal favorite throwbacks. The name Spartans does not have anything to do with the city, of course, but I think that people would welcome that name if we had burgundy and gold, not cranberry and white, uniforms with the spear on the helmet. For the fans! <laughs> Thanks, Al. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you uh, for the email, Scott. So yeah, the uh, offshore betting site betonline.ag on Monday, July 24th came out with odds for the next name of the Washington NFL franchise. The favorite was Spartans at 6-1. to one. Uh, Next was football team slash club at 7-1. to one. Redskins was 50 to 1. The problem with going back to the spear on the helmet is that uh, that could be construed as Native American imagery, even though uh, if the name was Spartans, you could say that the spear would not be Native American imagery. But of course, the reason for having the spear would be because that it would harken back to when uh, it was Native American imagery for the team, because the team's name at the time was Redskins. But that is a great point by Scott. Why was the name Spartans? the betting favorite for betonline.ag. Was that just some out-of-the-box thinking that uh, betonline.ag did, or was betonline.ag working off some intel? Uh, Email from Thomas Murphy on Commander's linebacker Jamin Davis, who last week was in court not once but twice (laughs) regarding a reckless driving conviction in Loudoun County, Virginia. Jamin, on March 28, 2022, was charged with reckless driving, this for going 114 miles per hour in a 45-mile-per-hour zone. The judge last Monday morning rejected a plea agreement for Jamin. The judge last Thursday afternoon rejected a revised plea agreement for Jamin. Uh, And so a new hearing was set, this hearing for August 31st. And by the way, coming out in all of this has been that Jamin was charged with reckless driving in December 2021. Uh, This for allegedly going 89 miles per hour in a 65 mile per hour zone. But that charge was amended to him going 84 miles per hour in a 65 mile per hour zone. Writes Thomas, we should let Jamin know that if he goes to Summit Point Raceway in Summit Point, West Virginia, he can go as fast as he wants. It's only about 25 minutes from Ashburn. Uh, Thank you for the email, Thomas. Well, one of the biggest stars in NASCAR over the last 25 years, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is a big Commanders fan. So maybe Dale Jr. uh, can mentor Jamin. But, you know, from purely a football standpoint, this Jamin Davis situation is significant. The Commanders may be about to be without Jamin Davis. He, given this reckless driving conviction, could get suspended by the NFL under its personal conduct policy. And keep this in mind, too. The Commanders next offseason have to decide on whether to exercise the fifth-year option in Jamin Davis's rookie contract. You tell me right now, would you exercise the fifth-year option? in Jamin's rookie contract? Well, Jamin Davis seems to have a thing for driving really fast. The law firm of Paulson and Nace has a thing for fighting for victims and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm dedicated to promoting the rights of seriously injured persons and their families. You can call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Paulson and Nace is widely respected throughout Washington, D.C. and West Virginia for the firm's accomplishments both in and out of courtrooms. Chris Nace and Matt Nace, they are 
dedicated trial attorneys who do not balk in the face of large insurance companies or well-known businesses that have had practices or products that are directly related to the root of your harm. Chris Nace in May was named the 2023 Barry J. Nace Trial Lawyer of the Year, uh, this by the D.C. Trial Lawyers Association. And Chris in July was elected as the Parliamentarian of the American Association for Justice. So the guy is taking honors left and right. Why? Well, Paulson and Nace does not accept low settlement offers that benefit the people who cause clients harm more than those offers benefit the clients. This is because Paulson and Nace is not afraid to take a case to trial, and that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. Paulson and Nace has secured millions of dollars in verdict and settlement amounts for clients to better enable them to care for themselves and their families. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call Paulson and Nace at 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You could also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Well, we have had a uh, pretty interesting last few days at Commander's Training Camp at the team facility in Ashburn, Virginia. The team on Friday morning conducted a padded practice that was not open to fans. And there were three things regarding this practice that you need to know. Number one, the commander's offense during Friday morning's practice looked awful, (laughs) okay? The offense was hideous. The defense on Friday morning dominated the offense. The defense so far in training camp has looked better than the offense has looked, but uh, the difference on Friday morning was especially pronounced. Uh, Number two, things got very chippy during Friday morning's practice. Uh, Center Nick Gates spiked a football at interior defensive lineman Fedarian Mathis, uh, leading to assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy getting mad at Gates. Uh, right guard Samuel Cosme and Fedarian Mathis got into a fight. Yeah, this was a busy morning uh, for Fedarian Mathis. And there was an incident involving receiver Terry McLaurin and corner Benjamin St. Juice. St. Juice held tight end corner Cole Turner to an incompletion and then stood over Turner, and so Terry ran over and got into it with St. Juice, uh, and then Bienemy and Terry started yelling at each other. Number three, corner Emmanuel Forbes hurt his groin during Friday morning's practice, leading to head coach Rod Rivera during his post-practice press conference uh, to provide an injury report of sorts. Uh, on defense, Emmanuel Forbes, a tweak groin, uh, linebacker Cody Barton, a hip flexor injury. Uh, on offense, tight end Logan Thomas, calf strain, tight end Curtis Hodges, hamstring slash glute issue, left guard Sadiq Charles, a calf strain. Now, not all of those injuries were incurred during Friday morning's practice, but as of Friday morning, that's what we were looking at in terms of prominent commanders dealing with with injuries, all guys were considered day-to-day. As for the chippiness on Friday morning, uh, here was Ron Rivera during his post-practice press conference. To be honest with you, uh, I would have been disappointed if we weren't chippy. I would have been disappointed if we didn't get after each other's ass out there. I, I really expected it to be that way. You know, this is our ninth practice, our fifth one in a row. And um, and, and they're a little sour right now. They really are. You know, it's it's... One of those things where, where as things go and things start to happen, you know, and, and you get fired up, you get excited. It's like it's like I got hot sauce in my bag. I mean, let's pull it out and sprinkle it on each other and get a little excited about it. And that's exactly what happened. 
And um, I'm glad it did because, again, this is about building the grit and the toughness and having to deal with this. We lost our poise for a little bit. A little immaturity showed. Um, and we got to learn to handle that. When you get tired, when you get hot and you're frustrated and things aren't going your way, man, you got to bounce back. And so this is going to be a great learning experience for our guys out there. If you're wondering about Ron Rivera saying, I've got hot sauce in my bag, end quote, uh, that is a line from a Beyonce song. Uh, Beyonce did a concert at FedEx Field on Sunday night. The commanders on Friday afternoon revealed via Twitter that they had given Ron Rivera and certain players specific Beyonce lines to work into press conferences during the week. Uh, and in this reveal was a montage of Ron and the players saying these lines. This actually was pretty funny. Uh, the line from Beyonce actually is, I got hot sauce in my bag, swag. <laughs> uh, but Ron saying, I've got hot sauce in my bag, was good enough. Uh, look, occasional chippiness is fine and healthy. Uh, you obviously don't want too much chippiness. You obviously don't want teammates disliking each other. But guys being competitive and trying to out alpha each other. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, more from Ron Rivera on Friday morning on the chippiness, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with the radio voice of the commanders, Bram Weinstein. It happens. It does. And, and, and I, you know, we don't encourage it. We don't want it. We, we want to stop it because these are teammates, and we want them to understand that, you know, everything we got, all we got is all we need, and that's everybody in that, in that room, everybody that's out on that field. We, we got to take care of our teammates. Um, and as I said, the little immaturity showed. And, and when guys get frustrated, what happens? They start to fight. Um, we got to control that, and we can't allow that, and we don't. There was, there was one particular moment, not just the Cosby one, but um, St. Juice hit Turner. Yeah. And then Terry McLaurin comes up to St. Yep. Juice and says, that's your teammate. Yep. Um, can you kind of talk about that? Line well, that's leadership right there. Um, you know, and, and, and Chase... Chase Young said it best. He said, well, when Terry starts talking, you know it's serious. And uh, and Terry was right. This is about your teammates. You know, you, you, you've got to be careful. you got to you know, take care of your teammates. And, you know, you hit them great. And, you know, but, but you know, let's don't, let's don't go past that. Let's don't go into the extracurricular stuff. And that's what Terry's point was more than anything else. And Terry McLaurin, of course, was right. Uh, the commanders did not practice on Saturday. That probably was a good thing. Uh, and then came the team practicing on Sunday morning, what was a padded practice that was not open to fans. This ended up being a very long practice, about two and a half hours. Uh, this was a practice during which the offense was better, although receiver Curtis Samuel did not take any reps in the final 20-minute team period uh, due to, as Ron Rivera said during his post-practice press conference on Sunday morning, quote, tightening up, end quote. Uh, this was Ron on Sunday morning on Curtis Samuel, and then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Commander's Insider John Keim of ESPN. It's going to be smart. We're going to, we're going to you know, slow some guys down. If we got to take a guy and put him down for the rest of the day, we will. Uh, but he got some work early on. Everything seemed fine. But again, you start tightening up, especially you know those uh, the highly tuned athletes. We got to be smart about that. Uh, hamstring? Is that no, no. We got to get into what's going on. Groin? No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. And of course, anytime Curtis Samuel is dealing with 
any kind of injury, uh, there is concern. Washington signed Curtis in March 2021 as an unrestricted free agent. He, in the 2021 regular season, played in a mere five of the team's 17 games due to, how could we forget, a groin injury uh, that was like the worst groin injury in the history of groin injuries, uh, and then also a hamstring injury. But remember, we came to find out that the groin injury was more uh, than a normal groin injury. We, in late November 2021, learned that Curtis had undergone core muscle surgery in June 2021. But Curtis in the 2022 regular season played in all 17 of the Commanders games. I don't feel like that has been appreciated enough. Curtis Samuel last season was an Ironman for the Commanders. Uh, He, for the 2022 regular season, was number four on the team in yards from scrimmage at 843, and it was tied for number two on the team in receiving slash rushing touchdowns with five. Also regarding commander's injuries during Sunday morning's practice, uh, Logan Thomas did not practice. Emmanuel Forbes and Sadiq Charles each went through individual drills, but not team drills. And Cody Barton and Curtis Hodges were full participants in practice. But as for the offense looking better on Sunday morning off having looked really bad on Friday morning, this was Ron Rivera on Sunday morning. This was much better than the other day. Really pleased with with work that we we got in today. Um, I thought the approach and the way they handled it was really good. And uh, again, kudos to the offensive line because they really they really ground through it a lot. You know, uh, did a heck of a job. So so there's a lot of positives that we're going to get from this. There's some really good tape on uh, all the periods. We got an opportunity to really go through some situational football as well. It's hard to hear about the growing pains of the commander's offense in training camp so far and not think about what this might mean for how offensive players are taking to the hard coaching of Eric Bieniemy. We know the deal with Bieniemy, right? He is loud. He is demanding. He is insistent on attention to detail. Personally, I think that all of that is good. This offense, to me, needs that approach. But this is Ron Rivera on Sunday morning on how offensive players are taking to Bieniemy's coaching. I think they seem to be taking it well, and I think they seem to understand that, you know, the the more stress you can put on and the more they can handle it, you know, the better off they can be. If you think about his initial press conference, it's about getting guys out of their comfort zone, you know, and, and getting them to understand you've got to learn to be comfortable uh, when, when, when you're not. And, and I think that's the biggest thing right now. So he's, he's really after him. He really believes in that. And uh, you see it out there because, uh, you know, the other day we didn't have a very good day and he really got into him. And today they came back and they responded pretty well was good to hear that. I am not someone who is panicking over the commander's offense. Now, am I convinced that it's going to be good this coming season? No. Uh, And if you have real concerns about the offense this coming season, I hear you, okay? I do too. I don't know how anyone could be certain that the offensive line is going to be much improved. I hope that the offensive line is going to be much improved. I can see a path by which the offensive line is much improved, but it being much improved is far from a certainty. And the quarterback situation is an unknown. I'm excited about Sam Howell as the QB1. I think that he could be good, but of course he could be bad. We don't know. The team doesn't know. Sam Howell himself doesn't know. But specific to what's happening in training camp, the offense being outplayed by the defense, the offense at best being up and down, uh, those realities aren't reasons themselves to be panicking about the offense. Keep in mind three things. Number one, Washington in recent years has been a lot better on defense than the team has been on offense. Number two, the defense is entering year four under defensive coordinator Jack Del Rio. The offense is entering year one under Eric Bieniemy. And number three, 
There is no game planning going on. It's not like the enemy is scheming things up to attack the defense. These are practices uh, during which all kinds of things are being tried. Here was Ron Rivera during his post-practice press conference on Friday morning on the commander's defense being ahead of the offense. We've got the same defense system for four years. We've got a brand new offensive system. So I would expect them to be slightly ahead. Um, and if not, I'd be a little disappointed in the defense and be real thrilled about the offense. Uh, offense is where I think it needs to be in terms of its growth and development. I think, you know, the, uh, the, amount, of, um, <clears throat> the amount of stuff that they've installed, the inventory of the offenses that they've put in is a lot. And so you're going to have some mistakes that are going to be made. You're going to see some, some of those things happen. But when it comes to what's going on with the chippiness, that, that's all part of it. So, Rod Rivera on Friday morning, quote, offense is where I think it needs to be in terms of its growth and development, end quote. Uh, Could that be Ron whistling past the graveyard? (laughs) Uh, Sure. But I don't think that it's implausible that that is the truth. You know, every year during training camp and the preseason, we dance this dance of what matters and what doesn't. And the truth is that what does and doesn't matter is all hindsight. There are things from training camps and preseasons that turn out to be totally telling about upcoming seasons. And there are things from training camps and preseasons that turn out to have meant nothing. I am not going to overreact to a new offense with a second-year quarterback who has made one career NFL regular season start and a revamped offensive line, having some issues facing what sets up to be a very good defense, especially when, oh, by the way, there is no game planning going on, and the defense probably has a good idea of what's coming part or even most of the time. However, all of that said, yeah, you do want to see improvement from the offense as training camp goes on and as we get closer to the regular season. Uh, This was Ron Rivera during his post-practice press conference on Friday morning on if there is a timeline by which he wants to see the commander's offense performing better. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with commander's insider J.P. Findlay of NBC4. Yeah, when you start game planning, you you start preparing, I think that's what's more important. I mean, right now, there's no game planning out there. You know what I'm saying? There's there's just learning your base fundamentals, learning the the foundation of what you're going to do, and then you got to go out there and use your tools and react to it. Now you start to game plan and start saying, hey, this is what we anticipate, this is what we expect to get. These are are the things that we we can do. This is your toolbox of adjustments, and let's go out and make it happen. Um, That's when you want to start to see things really come together. Right now, if they have a good day, then you know that, that they really things are, are being put together. Yesterday, I thought was a good day for the offense as well. There are a lot of good things that did happen. But, um, you know, there really is no timeline except for when the season starts, when it's, when it's for real. And, and how much of the defensive, you know, dominance or whatever you want to call today is them kind of knowing what's coming? Well, I think a little bit of that. I think a big part of it, too, is what helps them more so than anything else is, you know, they know how to react. You know what I'm saying? It's ingrained now. I mean, four seasons for most of those guys, three, two, one seasons for these guys, they should have some sort of sense of feel. You know, and and again, what Jack and the the defense staff have done over those years, I think, is very good. In two of the three seasons, yes, uh, Washington with Jack Del Rio had very good defenses for the 2020 and 2022 seasons. The 2021 season 
not so much. Uh, the Commanders' 2023 preseason opener is this Friday night. Commanders at the Cleveland Browns Friday night at 7.30. Ron Rivera, during his post-practice press conference on Sunday morning, got asked if how practice goes this week will determine how much he plays key players in the team's preseason opener. Here was Ron's answer. Um, no, I don't think it'll determine it. You know, we've had a couple of preliminary, preliminary conversations about where we are and what we think we need to do. Um, but again, it's still about being smart and understanding. You know, we want to see a lot of things, but at the same time, we also got to start preparing for the season and, and, and who we anticipate using during the season. So, you know, we'll base all that off of that. Um, and then don't forget next week, and I know it's a little bit ahead, but next week, you know, we'll have a couple of really good working days against Baltimore. So that'll also play in our decision making. All right, so I don't know about you, but Ron Rivera right there, to me, sounded like he, for this preseason opener at the Browns, is not planning on playing key players for long. I tell you, when it comes to playing key players in preseason games, there is no perfect answer. And in a lot of ways, you are darned if you do and darned if you do not. I mean, if you are an established good team, no, playing key players in preseason games doesn't make much sense. I don't think that there's much reason for the commanders to play key defensive players at all this preseason. But what about the offense? A QB1 and Sam Howell entering his second NFL season with one career regular season start, a revamped offensive line, a new system with Eric Bieniemy entering his first season with the team, zero recent history of the team being good on offense. Like, there is merit to the notion of the commanders playing key offensive players for a decent amount of time on Friday night. But... We heard Ron Rivera mention the upcoming joint practices with the Baltimore Ravens. The commanders are going to participate in joint practices with the Ravens uh, at their Under Armour Performance Center in Owings Mills, Maryland on August 15th and 16th. And those joint practices, in a lot of ways, could serve as a preseason game. I actually think that Ron may well value those joint practices more than he's valuing this preseason opener. But regarding Sam Howell this Friday night, uh, we on Sunday morning had this exchange between J.P. Finley and Ron Rivera. With the thought process before the Cleveland game, how do you balance young quarterback needs work with its preseason, probably only one out there with the starting line, it, I mean, those are all considerations right there, J, uh, JP, to be honest with you, is um, knowing that, you know, when, when, whenever we take Sam out or whenever we take that first group out, that, that's when he's coming out. Um, but at the same time, we also want to be mindful of, 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 of Jacoby and, and know that, you know, how valuable he is to us as, as one of our quarterbacks. So uh, a lot of that, again, as I said, will hinge on what we see going forward, uh, especially, um, again, the, the two days we'll practice with Baltimore. Yeah, and there was Ron Rivera, again, emphasizing these joint practices with the Ravens. Well, hopefully the commanders in these joint practices with the Ravens do as well as turf center lawns can do for your lawn. If you have a bad lawn, no worries. Turf center lawns can change that. If your lawn has looked as bad as the commander's offense looked (laughs) during Friday morning's training camp practice, turf center lawns can get your lawn on track. Turf Center Lawns offers a variety of residential and commercial landscaping services. It is a local, multi-generational family business serving Maryland, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. Turf Center Lawns offers lawn care programs that will make and keep your lawn lush and green. But Turf Center Lawns is about more than just lawns. Turf Center Lawns is outstanding at handling water problems. Uh, As we all know, intense summer storms 
especially those in the Washington, D.C. area, uh, can cause water and drainage problems for your home or business. Turf Center Lawns offers affordable and effective grading-based drainage solutions to prevent flooding, erosion, wet basements, and wet crawl spaces. Uh, Also, if you are a coach, an athletic director, a booster, know that Turf Center Lawns can create, improve, and or maintain athletic fields. Turf Center Lawns will give you and your team a professional, natural grass athletic field uh, and performs maintenance with a specialized in Bermuda grass fields. Turf Center Lawns installed the original Bermuda grass fields at a number of major venues, including the Commander's FedEx Field. Uh, when it opened as Jack Ken Cook Stadium in 1997, Prince George's County Stadium, home of the Orioles AA affiliate, the Bowie Bay Sox, and Arthur W. Purdue Stadium, home of the Orioles Aloe affiliate, the Delmarva Shorebirds. Uh, Turf Center Lawns also installs and rebuilds baseball and softball infields, batting cages, home putting greens, even bocce courts. If you have landscaping needs, drainage issues, or athletic field needs, contact Turf Center Lawns. Consultations and estimates are free. You have nothing to lose. Call 301-384-9300 or visit turfcenterlawns.com. That's 301-384-9300 or TurfCenterLawns.com. And make sure that you tell Turf Center Lawns that Al Galdi sent you. The Turf Center Lawns team is great. It's comprised of experts in their field. Uh, They share a deep commitment to exceeding customer expectations on every job, whether large or small. When you hire Turf Center Lawns, your satisfaction is guaranteed. Call 301-384-9300 or visit TurfCenterLawns.com. That's 301-384-9300 or TurfCenterLawns.com. And make sure that you tell Turf Center Lawns that Al Galdi sent you. Well, it's not often that we have big Capitals news in August, uh, but we on Friday had big Capitals news. So the Caps on Friday morning announced that they had re-signed winger Tom Wilson to a seven-year, $45.5 million contract extension. Uh, yeah, a big money, long-term deal for Top Line Tom. Uh, I've always loved that nickname, Top Line Tom. Uh, Wilson had been set to be an unrestricted free agent in the 2024 offseason. This contract extension will begin with not this coming season, but the following season, the 2024-2025 season. So uh, I actually have mixed feelings about this extension. Let's start with the concern. The concern with this contract extension has to do with its cost and length. Uh, given Wilson's age, injury history, and style. Uh, This is not some cheap extension, 70 years, $45.5 million. Uh, That works out to an average annual value, an AAV of $6.5 million. And while the NHL salary cap has trended up over the years, it has not increased the way that, say, the NFL salary cap has increased. Uh, The NHL salary cap has increased at a much more modest rate. Uh, This contract extension makes it so that Tom Wilson is under contract through the 2030-2031 season, uh, what will be his age 36 season. Uh, Wilson, as you may recall, suffered a torn left ACL about 15 months ago. Uh, May 3rd, 2022, he suffered a torn left ACL 
and the Caps 4-2 win at the Florida Panthers in Game 1 of the Caps' six-game loss to the Panthers in the first round of the 2022 Stanley Cup playoffs. And it's not like Wilson plays a style that is conducive to avoiding wear and tear. Uh, Tom Wilson has played in 10 NHL seasons, 2013-2014 through 2022-2023. Wilson, over those 10 regular seasons, ranks number 7 in the NHL in hits with 2,039 ranks number one among Caps forwards in block shots with 400 and has amassed enough penalty minutes to rank number three in Caps history in regular season penalty minutes at 1,299. Uh, Tom Wilson does have skill, okay? But as we know, you know, he's not some finesse, avoid contact, avoid punishment player. No, Uh, Wilson's game features a lot of hits, a lot of block shots, and a lot of penalties, including, yes, a lot of fights. And so Tom Wilson doesn't exactly profile as someone who is a uh, slam dunk to age well. Uh, However, like I said, Wilson has skill. You know, he's not just some goon. And Wilson did have a good 2022-2023 season. He, due to the torn left ACL, did not make his season debut until this past January 8th. And so he played in just 33 games. But he, for the 2022-2023 regular season, ranked tied for fifth on the Caps in goals with 13 and ranked tied for fifth on the Caps in power play goals with four. Uh, He, over the 33 games, totaled 22 points. Uh, That, over the course of a full 82-game regular season, is a 54-point season. That's pretty good. So Wilson may be just fine coming off the torn left ACL. Uh, Also, you can't do a proper evaluation of Tom Wilson without mentioning his suspension history. Uh, Wilson was suspended by the NHL five times from September 2017 through March 2021, And he, because of this, has become someone who does not get the benefit of the doubt from the NHL. So when you're assessing his availability moving forward, you got to factor in the suspension factor. And here's an example of Wilson not getting the benefit of the doubt from the league. Wilson's last suspension came in March 2021, a seven-game suspension for a hard hit on Bruins defenseman Brandon Carlo into the boards uh, near the left corner of the Caps offensive zone in a 5-1 loss at the Boston Bruins on March 5th, 2021. This suspension was as much about Wilson's past as anything. The hit on Carlo, while high, uh, was more to the left shoulder and collarbone than to the head, and Wilson did not launch himself, and no penalty was called on Wilson for the hit, and winger Jacob Vrana actually then went with a cross-check to the back of Carlo's head slash neck, but Vrana didn't get suspended. Uh, Now, the Caps, during this seven-game suspension for Wilson, did go 7-0-0, but that's not the point. It's highly questionable whether a player without Wilson's history would have gotten a seven-game suspension for what Wilson did. So he does have a target on his back. I mean, Wilson once got a 20-game suspension. Uh, Wilson, in October 2018, was suspended for 20 regular season games for an illegal hit to the head of Blue Center Oscar Sundquist uh, in the Caps' preseason-ending 5-2 win over the St. Louis Blues at Capital One Arena. Yeah, Wilson got suspended for doing something in a preseason game. Uh, He ended up serving 16 games of the suspension, which was reduced to 14 games via a neutral arbitrator. Uh, The Caps took Tom Wilson with the number 16 overall pick in the 2012 NHL draft. He is very much a heart and soul player for the Caps. He may well be the second most popular player on the Caps after winger Alex Ovechkin. And speaking of Ovi, 
You know, Wilson, to me, is a definite candidate to be the Caps captain after Ovi retires. Uh, the Caps are in a very delicate place on the win curve, right? Trying to retool, but not rebuild. Uh, trying to get younger, but also still be a postseason team. You don't usually see a rebuilding team sign a player approaching his 30s to a seven-year contract extension. So this Tom Wilson extension is further proof that the Caps still are trying to be good as Alex Ovechkin pursues Wayne Gretzky's NHL regular season career goals record. But as much as we all like Tom Wilson, uh, I don't know how you look at this seven-year, $45.5 million contract extension and not at least wonder about a few things. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, it was just a few weeks ago that the Nationals authored their first sweep of a series of at least three games in more than two years. Uh, The Nats' three-game sweep of the San Francisco Giants at Nationals Park from July 21st through the 23rd was the Nats' first sweep of a series of at least three games since June 2021. Uh, Well, the Nats over the weekend authored a three-game sweep at the Cincinnati Reds, marking the Nats' first sweep of a road series of at least three games since August 2019. I'm proud of the boys. Yeah, (laughs) Nats manager Davey Martinez, the boys, uh, quite the weekend. Uh, Friday evening, a 6-3-10 inning win as the Nats overcame a 3-1 eighth inning deficit. Saturday, a 7-3 win. Sunday afternoon, a 6-3 win. The Nats now have won 11 of their last 16 games. The Nats now have won four of their last five series. The Nats for this 2023 regular season now are 49 and 63. They are up to having the third worst record in the National League of having had the second worst record in the National League for quite some time. But get this, the Nats now are just nine 
games behind the Chicago Cubs and Cincinnati Reds for the National League's third and final wild card spot. Yes, <laughs> I just talked about the Nats regarding postseason contention. Uh, yes, I did just do that. Uh, this was Davey Martinez during his postgame session with reporters on Sunday afternoon on his players, on the boys. I think they're starting to believe in one another. I think, you know, when, when one guy's, when one guy doesn't do something, the next guy, they feel like the next guy will, will do the job. So, um, that's, that's, that's the beautiful thing about, about playing a team game. You know, every, everybody's got to put forth an effort. Um, they're all doing it. They're all pulling for one another and they're having fun doing it. Yeah, and why not? Uh, so many things to like about what the Nats did at the Reds over the weekend, but can we start with the Nats bullpen? You know, the Nats' bullpen had been a mess. The Nats right now have a bunch of relievers on the 15-day injured list. Uh, Heck, the Nats on Saturday put another reliever on the 15-day injured list, put reliever Mason Thompson on the 15-day IL, retroactive to this past Wednesday with a left knee contusion, but also on the 15-day injured list are relievers Hunter Harvey, Carl Edwards Jr., Thaddeus Ward, and Rico Garcia. Uh, The Nats have relievers Tanner Rainey and Victor Arano on the 60-day injured list. And oh, by the way, the Nats on Sunday requested unconditional release waivers for reliever Paolo Espino. Uh, He had been on the 15-day injured list. So the Nats bullpen right now is missing a lot of guys. The Nats bullpen for a good chunk of time this season has not been good at all. But the Nats bullpen lately has been a lot better. And the Nats bullpen in this three-game sweep at the Reds was great. Nats relievers in this series combined for 11 and a third scoreless innings, 11 and a third shutout innings, including what happened in the 6-3 win on Sunday afternoon. Four Nats relievers combining for four and two-thirds scoreless innings with seven strikeouts, and three of those relievers were pitching for a third consecutive day. Andres Machado, in pitching for a third time in three days, faced two batters, and generated two big strikeouts. He came into the game in the bottom of the fifth with runners on first and third, one out, and the Nats holding a 5-3 lead. And the runner on first, TJ Friedel, had an uncontested steal of second base on Machado's first pitch of the game. But Machado recorded back-to-back strikeouts of the Reds' numbers three and four batters, Matt McClain and Christian Encarnacion Strand. Uh, Then we had Robert Garcia make his Nats debut and he tossed two scoreless innings with two strikeouts. So the Nats last Tuesday afternoon announced having claimed Garcia off waivers from the Miami Marlins. Then we had Jordan Weems in pitching for a third time in three days, tossing a perfect bottom of the eighth. And then we had Kyle Finnegan in pitching for a third time in three days, tossing a scoreless bottom of the ninth with two strikeouts despite giving up back-to-back one-out singles. Davey Martinez on Sunday afternoon (laughs) pitched not one, not two, but three relievers each for a third consecutive day. That is so rare. Davey managed this game like it was game seven of the World Series, but the bullpen came through. Uh, What a job. Uh, Also coming up big for the Nats in their three-game sweep at the Reds over the weekend was the Nats offense. You know, there are two things in particular that Nats batters have not done well this season, hit home runs and draw walks. Well, the Nats in this series hit home runs and drew walks. Uh, The Nats over the three games totaled five home runs and 14 walks. Uh, Monster series for Lane Thomas. He had been slumping. Well, he was awesome 
in this three-game sweep at the Reds. Thomas was the Nats starting right fielder and number two batter in each of the three games. The 6-3 win on Sunday afternoon. Thomas two for four with a solo homer, an RBI double, and an RBI sack fly. The 7-3 win on Saturday. Thomas two for four with an RBI double, a single, an RBI sack fly, and two stolen bases. And the 6-3 10-inning win on Friday evening. Thomas three for five with a two-run homer, a solo homer, and an infield single. Uh, Thomas in an ad's three-run 10th, had a two-out, two-run homer to left field for a 6-3 Nats lead. Lane Thomas for this regular season is number one among all qualified Nats players in OPS at 824. C.J. Abrams, he was the Nats starting shortstop and number one batter in each of the three games in this three-game sweep at the Reds. He, over the first two games, went just one for 10 with a single, but Abrams in a 6-3 win on Sunday afternoon was excellent. Four for five with a solo homer, a double, and two singles, and he went two for two on stolen bases, giving him 24 consecutive stolen bases without being caught. That ties the record for most consecutive regular season stolen bases without being caught by a Nats player since the franchise moved to Washington, D.C. in the 2004-2005 offseason. By the way, Abrams and Lane Thomas on Sunday afternoon homered on consecutive pitches to begin the game. Uh, first time since the Montreal Expos moved to D.C. in that 04-05 offseason and became the Nats. Uh, that the Nats began a game with back-to-back first pitch home runs. Uh, C.J. Abrams continues to thrive as the Nats' regular number one batter. Abrams now uh, over 25 games as the Nats' number one batter has an OPS of 886. Uh, more production from this guy, Jake Alou, an infielder slash outfielder who the Nats uh, this past Tuesday afternoon recalled from AAA Rochester. Uh, Alou in this three-game sweep at the Reds started two of the three games of the 6-3 win on Sunday afternoon. Alou as the Nats starting second baseman, a number six batter, went two for four with a two-run single, another single, and a walk. And Alou in the 6-3-10 inning win on Friday evening as the Nats starting second baseman and number eight batter went one for four with an RBI double. He did have a fielding error, but Alou and that Nats three-run 10th had a tie-breaking leadoff full count RBI double to right field for a 4-3 Nats lead. Uh, as for the Nats starting pitching in this uh, three-game sweep at the Reds, so Jake Irvin in the 6-3 win on Sunday afternoon was not good. Uh, he lasted for just four and a third innings. He allowed three runs. So he gave up five hits, two homers, and three singles. He issued two walks. He did have six strikeouts. That was good, but he over his mere four and a third innings through 94 pitches, 57 strikes versus 37 balls. So really, aside from the six strikeouts, uh, not a good day for Jake Irvin on Sunday. However, what happened in game two of this series with the Nats starting pitching was a stunner, and in a good way. The Nats on Saturday recalled Yoan Adone from AAA Rochester. Uh, he was the Nats starting pitcher for the 7-3 win at the Reds on Saturday as starting pitcher Trevor Williams still was on the bereavement list, although the Nats on Sunday reinstated Williams from the bereavement list. Uh, Adone in this 7-3 win at the Reds on Saturday, three runs in six innings with seven strikeouts versus no walks. He gave up just three hits, but he began his outing by tossing five and two-thirds perfect innings. 17 up, 17 down. Adone flirted with a perfect game. A perfecto! Uh, now, he in the bottom of the six did unravel a bit. He allowed back-to-back 
two out singles, then gave up a two out three run homer by TJ Friedel to right field to cut the Nats lead to 6 3. Uh, Doan, during his postgame session with reporters, admitted that he and that bottom of the six started to cramp up. Uh, but Adon was really good in this game. I mean, he in the game through 86 pitches, 61 strikes versus just 25 balls. And understand, this is the same Yohan Adon who in the 2022 regular season was really bad at the major league level. 14 starts, 64 and two-thirds innings, an ERA of 7.10, a whip of 178. However, this also is the same Yohan Adon who shined in the Nats' final game of the 2021 regular season. Uh, a 7-5 loss to the Boston Red Sox at Nationals Park on October 3rd, 2021. Adone in that game made his major league regular season debut and allowed two runs in five and two-thirds innings with nine strikeouts. So the guy does have talent. He previously had been at the major league level with the Nats in this regular season from July 7th to July 17th as a reliever. Uh, the Nats signed Adone as an amateur free agent out of the Dominican Republic in July 2016. But what a job by Johan Adone on Saturday in a spot start. Uh, Patrick Corbin was the Nats starting pitcher in the 6-3-10 inning win at the Reds on Friday evening. He was okay, especially by uh, current Patrick Corbin standards. So he allowed three runs in six into third innings. He gave up just four hits, although uh, all of them were extra base hits. He gave up three one-out solo homers and a double. Uh, he issued just one walk, but he recorded just two strikeouts. He threw 83 pitches, 50 strikes versus 33 balls. Four consecutive wins now for the rebuilding Nats. They have 50 games left in this 2023 regular season. There very much are reasons to believe that next season could be a step forward season for the Nats back into legitimate postseason contention. Although, right now, <laughs> the Nats are in postseason contention. Again, nine games behind the Cubs and Reds for the National League's third and final wildcard spot. Uh, next up for the Nats, a four-game series at the Philadelphia Phillies, who currently are in possession of the National League's second wildcard spot. Uh, game one, Monday evening at 6.40, Trevor Williams will be the Nats starting pitcher. Game two, Tuesday evening at 6.40, Josiah Gray will be the Nats starting pitcher. Game three, Wednesday evening at 6.40, Mackenzie Gore will be the Nats starting pitcher. And game four, Thursday evening at 6.40, Patrick Corbin will be the Nats starting pitcher. Well, the Orioles over the weekend honored their 1983 World Series championship team, the 1983 Orioles. They, in the regular season, went 98-64 and to win the American League East. The O's beat the Chicago White Sox three games to one to win the American League Championship Series, and the O's beat the Philadelphia Phillies four games to one to win the World Series. Uh, the O's have gotten to 98 wins in a regular season just once since winning the 1983 World Series. The 1997 Orioles won 98 regular season games, but could it be that the 2023 Orioles are on their way to winning at least 98 regular season games. Heck, could it be <laughs> that the 2023 O's are on their way to ending their season the way that the 1983 O's ended their season? Let us not get ahead of ourselves, but the O's continue to roll a three-game sweep of the New York Mets at Oriole Park at Camden Yards over the weekend. Friday night, a 10-3 win. 
Saturday night, a 7-3 win. Sunday afternoon, a 2-0 win as the O's. Joe Angel, again, we're in the win column. And the Orioles, again, in the win column. That is correct, my friend Joe. The win column, uh, the Tampa Bay Rays over the weekend won two or three games at the Detroit Tigers. So the O's in this regular season now are an American League best 70 and 42. Three games ahead of the Rays for the best record in the American League and for first place in the American League East. How about the Orioles bullpen in this three-game sweep of the Mets? Orioles relievers in this series combined for 10 scoreless innings. We have talked about the concern with this Orioles bullpen from the standpoint of after the ace reliever, Felix Batista, who do you trust? Well, the bullpen in this series was great. I mean, just look at the 2 nothing win on Sunday afternoon. Four Orioles relievers combined for four and a third scoreless innings. CNL Perez, one and a third scoreless innings. He came into the game in the top of the fifth with the bases loaded, two outs in the game scoreless, and he induced a ground out by former Oriole DJ Stewart for the third out. Uh, Cole Irvin tossed a perfect top of the seventh. Shintaro Fujinami, a.k.a. Fuji, uh, he tossed a perfect top of the eighth with two strikeouts. And then the ace reliever, Felix Batista, a scoreless top of the ninth for his 30th save of this regular season, despite giving up a leadoff double. Here was O's manager, Brandon Hyde, during his postgame press conference on Sunday afternoon on the Orioles bullpen. Cino Perez, biggest out of the game. They're in a bases loaded situation. And then uh, every, what he did the next inning, and then Cole Irvin, outstanding, outstanding inning. Fuji, that was the best stuff we've seen from Fuji. That was fantastic and dominating stuff. And then Felix closing it down. So, um, you know, I thought Bradish without his best command today, honestly, didn't have his fastball command like he has been in the past. He had good, really good put away, just didn't have a, the command of his fastball um, as, as well as usual. Um, but grinded through four and two-thirds, and then our bullpen was outstanding. Some different people in some different Spot yeah, in some different spots today. Was there, you know, a reason for? Well, I was staying away from Coulomb and Cano today, so I was going to give them two days off. And um, so, when you do that, all of a sudden, different people are pitching in different spots. They're in the sixth through the eighth. To that point, you know, you've said that you've used, you know, you've used Cano a lot, you've used Felix a lot, you've asked a lot of Danny too. Mm-hmm. How nice is it to see those other guys in that middle of that bullpen really step up for you? It's going to take all those guys down there the rest of the way, and so. I was, you hate to see Danny and Cano down. That was my decision. And, you know, when I got here, after the game last night, we wanted to give them two days off. Um, But I was excited, honestly, to, to, I was kind of hoping we'd be in a spot where other guys could step up in big spots. And and that happened today because we need CNL Perez. Um, We need Fuji. And Urban was outstanding there in that inning. So um, Mike Bauman's been doing, did a great job early in the series. so that's big, big for all those guys to contribute. You named all the guys in that middle relief core there. Are you starting to gain more confidence in them, especially CNL recently has been pitching well in Fuji? You've seen yeah, I've had, I mean, I, it's not that I haven't had confidence. I, I have confidence in their stuff. I just, you know, they, some of them have been a little bit inconsistent at times, but uh, I think they're getting confident. They're getting confident, honestly. I see CNL pitching with more confidence right now, and that's huge. Um, you know, come into that spot there, falls behind DJ, but then he comes back and makes a good pitch. He gets a ground ball, and then have a and then have a clean next inning. Um, we're going to need CNL down the stretch.
It is huge if the O's are now getting back to having some quality depth in their bullpen. Uh, You cannot say enough about what getting back some quality depth in the bullpen could mean for October. Uh, Now, you heard Brandon Hyde in that cut that I just played for you talk about starting pitcher Kyle Bradish. Uh, Bradish in this 2-0 win over the Mets on Sunday afternoon lasted for just four and two-thirds innings, but he threw four and two-thirds scoreless innings with five strikeouts. He gave up just three hits, all of which were singles, but he issued five walks, a hit by pitch, and a wild pitch. And so he over his four and two-thirds shutout innings threw 87 pitches, just 45 strikes versus 42 balls. So not much length from Bradish on Sunday afternoon, certainly not much pitch efficiency, but the run prevention was there. Kyle Bradish now in this regular season, 21 starts, an ERA of 319 uh, and a whip of 114. Those are good numbers. Uh, another Kyle for the O's, Kyle Gibson, he in a 7-3 win over the Mets on Saturday night was good for a fourth consecutive start. Really like what we're seeing from Kyle Gibson right now. Gibson on Saturday night, three runs in seven innings with nine strikeouts versus one walk. He gave up just four hits, although three of them were extra base hits. He gave up a homer, two doubles, and a single. Uh, He threw 98 pitches, 60 strikes versus 38 balls. Gibson now over his last four starts, an ERA of 324 and 27 strikeouts in 25 innings. He has been really good lately. And Dean Kramer, uh, he in the 10-3 win over the Mets on Friday night was solid. Two runs in five and a third innings. Now, he did issue four walks, but he gave up just two hits, a double and a single. He recorded four strikeouts. He threw 87 pitches, 53 strikes versus 34 balls. So some nice pitching by the O's in this three-game sweep of the Mets and some nice hitting as well. Uh, Not so much in the 2-0 win on Sunday afternoon, but certainly in each of the first two games of the series. Uh, The 7-3 win on Saturday night, the O's in that game scored seven runs, totaled 12 hits, worked three walks, went three for 11 with runners in scoring position. The 12 hits were comprised of two homers, five doubles, and five singles. Uh, Anthony Santander, he on Saturday night as the Orioles starting DH and number three batter went two for five with a solo homer and a double. Uh, Santander and an Orioles one run fifth had a one out solo homer to the flag cord in right field for a 5-2 Orioles lead. The homer would have projected 406 feet per stat cast. Gunnar Henderson, he on Saturday night as the Orioles starting shortstop and number two batter, one for four with a two-run homer and a walk. Henderson and an Orioles two-run first had a full count two-run homer to center field for a 2-0 Orioles lead. Uh, That homer would have projected 422 feet per stat cast. And then in the 10-3 win on Friday night, the O's scored 10 runs, totaled 12 hits, worked seven walks, went five for 17 with runners in scoring position. The 12 hits were comprised of a homer, three doubles, and eight singles. James McCann, the ex-Met, the Orioles' number two catcher. Uh, He on Friday night as the Orioles' starting catcher and number eight batter got on base four times. He went three for three with a two-run double, a two-run single, an RBI single, and a walk. So he had five runs batted in, and he had a stolen base. Uh, The O's this past December 21st announced that they had acquired McCann and cash considerations uh, from the Mets in exchange for a player to be named later. Uh, Jordan Westberg, he on Friday night as the Orioles' starting second baseman and number five batter got on base four times. He went two for three with a three-run home a single and two walks. So Westberg ended Orioles four-run seventh, had a three-run homer to center field for a 9-2 Orioles lead. The homer would have projected 424 feet per stat cast. And Gunnar Henderson, there's that name again. He on Friday night as the Orioles starting shortstop and number three batter went two for five 
with two doubles. Henderson and Anthony Santander are in a virtual tie for number one among all qualified Orioles players in OPS for this regular season at 8.08. Let the good times roll if you are an Orioles fan right now. Uh, No game for the O's on Monday. Next up for them, a three-game series against the Houston Astros at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. The Astros are second in the American League wildcard standings. Game one, Tuesday night at 7.05, Grayson Rodriguez will be the Orioles starting pitcher. Game two, Wednesday night at 7.05, Jack Flaherty will be the Orioles starting pitcher. And game three, Thursday afternoon at 12.35, Dean Kramer will be the Orioles starting pitcher. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday show, episode 628. We'll have plenty for you on the Commanders. Also talk nationals. And that's on Monday evening at 640 of game one of a four-game series at the Philadelphia Phillies. Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. I'd have been disappointed if we weren't chippy. I'd have been disappointed if we didn't get after each other's ass out there.